Commissioner, the Warriors sit just one win away from history, one win away from a 16-0 perfect postseason. But that has sparked some concerns about parity around the league, especially because the Cavs, the team they're on the brink of sweeping, were so dominant in the Eastern Conference playoffs. What's your message to fans in so many markets that right now they're not feeling championship hope? My message is I love competition too, but we're going to celebrate excellence in this league. And the notion here is teams are going to ultimately double down on their efforts. They're going to draft well. They're going to trade well. They're going to develop their own players, and they're going to compete. I mean, it's always been the nature of this game that you have dominant teams. But this notion somehow that talent is completely static, players don't get better, teams don't get better, I think makes no sense. It's, there's a sort of a long history of great competition in this league. I would say there's a larger issue in terms of development of players that we have to focus on. I talked the other night about the minimum age of players coming to this league. And I heard Jeff Van Gundy say, did he mean he wants to go raise the age or lower the age? The answer is I'm not sure, but I know we can do a better job developing players coming into this league. I look at the Warriors, for example. Draymond was a four-year college player. Uh, Steph was a three-year college player. Uh, Clay was a three-year college player. I'm not saying the only place to develop is in college. But it is a little different developing at that point in your career than being on the floor in the NBA. So it's a holistic issue. At the end of the day, we have an incredible sport. We have all the very best basketball players in the world coming to one league, and that's the NBA. And so I, what my ultimate message to fans is um, this is a wonderful game, and things turn around over time. And what, what you want to see with your team is making progress towards being great. But it's not going to happen overnight. You mentioned the one-and-done players that you talked about in the press conference before these finals started. That you you made you made the the, the you'd like to move away from that if you could. How optimistic are you that the players' association would back that and agree to change the one-and-done system? A lot of it is going to be based on what the changes that we're ultimately proposing. But my sense is if we approach it in a collaborative fashion with the players, look, they have the same interest we do in great competition, and that's ultimately what this is about in part response to your first question. is how do we spend less time knocking down the best team and creating more great teams in this league? And great teams come from great players, players who are developed the right way, trained the right way. So I think we're going to sit down with Michelle Roberts, um, the executive director, Chris Paul, the president, and other group of players begin talking over the summer and say, let's step back. This doesn't have to be adversarial. It's the same number of jobs at the end of the day and the same pool of money to pay these players. So the issue is, how do we produce, over time, the best competition in this league? But as I said, it's not just about one player moving from one team to another. You have to look at it more holistically, and that includes the age in which players come into this league. When the big TV money was coming in, you were a proponent of smoothing the idea to let that money flow into the league more gradually so we wouldn't see the big cap spike that we saw last summer. What sense do you get now that the union, having seen how much that cap spike helped the Warriors in the position they're in now, what sense do you get that maybe they wish they took your advice on that one and, and sanctioned smoothing? They've never suggested to me that they've changed their view or, in fact, have a different view now, even in this 
most recent collective bargaining cycle, we proposed to the union that we come up with some type of mechanism going forward so that if we did have an unusual increase in revenue in a particular year, that we'd find a way to smooth that into the cap. And they said that was something they were not in favor of. But, but look, let me also say that the smoothing and the cap spike is ultimately relates to one player. We're talking about the fact that the Warriors had room to sign Kevin Durant. I, I, again, my preference would have been that the cap increase would have been smoothed in, but that the movement of one player cannot possibly speak to competitive balance across the entire league. That's why it's, it's the, the fact that the union didn't want to smooth is now in the past. I think we now have to address how we can create the greatest competition in this league. We made some changes in this last um, round of discussions with the union. The adjustments that are coming into place in this year's collective bargaining agreement will now give the incumbent team an opportunity to have earlier discussions than they've had historically with their player and also give them the opportunity to, to pay their own player even more to stay. So that's some additional advantage they have. Doesn't mean that the player will is guaranteed to stay, you still may have a situation of a star player choosing to go to another team. Uh, I, and, and nobody's proposed to anything, at least to me, that makes sense, which will guarantee that a player is going to stay in, in their market. That's just part of the history of this league. That there's, and, and you probably want it as a fan, a certain amount of player movement. That player you're referencing, Kevin Durant, he's had to hear all year, you ruined the league, you made the Warriors too good. What kind of conversations have you had with Kevin to kind of encourage him not to listen to that talk? We haven't talked directly about it. I'm, I've talked about it publicly and my reaction to those to people saying those things is that Kevin, of course, did nothing wrong and neither did the Warriors. They took advantage of the fact that they had unanticipated cap room. Incidentally, maybe they would have found another way to sign him. Maybe they would have traded other players. Maybe they would have not re-signed other players. I, I think it's impossible to unscramble the eggs here. I mean, the fact is, this is now the team. It's obviously a great team. Well, still more basketball to be played in the finals, and we'll see what happens. But I don't. I think it's unfair to the Warriors organization, to their general manager, Bob Myers, to... Jerry West, who's an advisor of the team, to Steve Kerr, to Mike Brown, to ownership, to Joe Lakehope, to this great team, to suggest it's all of their success is now about one player coming to their team. Remember, this is their third year in a row in the finals. They won a championship without Kevin Durant. They had the winningest record, regular season record in the history of the league with Kevin Durant. So let's see what happens. The player rest issue is something that dominated discussion all season long, something else that you hit on in your press conference before the NBA Finals, and you made the comment it would be your preference to see teams resting their guys at home. What are, what are the chances that someday the league might actually enact a rule that forces teams to, to restrict rest to home games? Um, we're not ready to go there yet. In fact, we had a conference call of the competition committee earlier today, and as I had said the other day, where we're heading is the adoption of a set of guidelines that will be in place for next season which will strongly recommend that to extend players are rested, that they rest at home, and teams also not rest multiple starters on the same night. Um, let's see how that plays out. I I'm reluctant to get into the business of directing these great coaches on minutes. 
because, as you know, players are often injured during the season, but not to the point where they otherwise can't play, but maybe shouldn't play. Then it's a, a function of league doctors versus team doctors on how healthy a player is and whether it's appropriate the player be out on the floor that night. So I'd like to come up with a system that, that relies on the good faith of our teams, that to the extent rest is necessary, and it, it is on occasion that it's done in an appropriate way, but that the league executives are not dictating to coaches and GMs precisely what games their players should or shouldn't be playing in. Our last few moments here with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. I know this has been a very difficult week for the league. The passing of Todd Harris, someone we all love dearly, who was so good to so many of us on the broadcasting side. If I could, I just wanted to ask you to share some of your thoughts about Todd. I know you and many league officials went back to New York yesterday to to pay your respects to him. Todd was my colleague for 22 years at the league office. Uh, He was a wonderful, wonderful person. He was one of the most upbeat people I've ever known. He was behind the scenes, as you know, a critical component of our league operations. He was the guy who ultimately was responsible for the schedule. He's somebody I'd been leaning on very heavily in the last few years to find new ways to reduce back-to-backs, four games out of five nights. He's done, he did an incredible job um, finding, to your point about rest, additional ways to get our players more rest. But most importantly, um, he was beloved by so many of us at the league office, by you and your colleagues at ESPN and at Turner. And again, many of us flew back for the funeral yesterday. his daughter, Mason, his young daughter, his son, Logan, both spoke at the funeral. I mean, it, it, it broke all of our hearts, but they also were, are so much like their dad, and, you know, they fought through tears with a sense of humor. It was so much like with the Todd that we knew, and to his wife, Jackie, just our message to her was that she and her kids will always be part of the NBA family.